Darnell Williams at the tailback. They'll hand it off to Williams up the middle. 25. Cuts it inside. 30. 35. 40. There goes Cadillac. To the 50. To the 40. To the 30. To the 20. To the 15. 10. Go crazy, Cadillac. Go crazy. Touchdown. Now they can play a little safer. But they're not going to. Nix is back. Throws it downfield. Caught. Touchdown, Williams. A 20-yard attempt. Josh Harris, the snapper. He'll call to the place. He'll hold it. Byron waits for the snap to the place. There it is. The kick is up. The kick is good. Auburn wins. 22-19. What's going on, everybody? And welcome to another episode of the Auburn Today podcast. As always, my name is Noble, and I'm joined here with my co-host, Wheeler. And today we have a fun podcast ahead of us. It is officially game week. While we are recording this on Sunday night, we are six days away from Auburn's opening game against UMass. We got to watch the Minutemen compete in some week zero action against New Mexico State, and it was uh, it was football. I don't know if it was quality football, but it was football. We got to, got to get some looks on on the team, and we have our, our analysis coming up. But Wheeler, why don't we just jump right into it? Give us your thoughts on UMass. I know that you know we talked about it earlier today, and you you got a little worried. You were listening to the game on the radio, and the, the commentators were hyping up the Minutemen a little bit. Give us your quick analysis on what you think we'll see from UMass coming into Jordan-Hare on Saturday. Well, no, well, propaganda is a powerful thing. <laughs> As we've seen throughout history, propaganda can be quite powerful. And uh, I I was the victim of propaganda. I was listening to the game on the radio, and uh, I started smoking the crack on uh, UMass. I started to think that their quarterback was an elite runner. Um, I thought that their defense was actually somewhat decent. And uh, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say that I got nervous about the game. I just thought, it'd be closer to one of those openers, a sleepy opener where you pull away and, you know, win by four touchdowns, but you kind of, it may be a two touchdown, 10 point game going in the fourth quarter. We went back and watched some highlights from the game yesterday. And uh, wow, they need to hire that radio guy for their own university because it, it was a different story when we watched it um, in person or not in person, all rewatched it tonight. Um, there's a lot Auburn can exploit, I think. And uh, I think we saw why. Let's see. I, we have a note of how to say his name. Pumachon. Pumachon. Uh, we see why Pumachon didn't quite work out at Clemson or Georgia Tech or, you know, any Power 5 school. Um, he He had some nice runs yesterday. But when you watch the defense he was running against, it was painful. I mean, it it was painful. You know, Auburn's going to be playing New Mexico State later in the year, and I can only assume that they will have gone through a lot of pain and a lot of suffering and a lot of losing by the time uh, Auburn gets there. That That's going to be a really ugly game. That may be <clears> – I know that they're a Division One football team and Sanford is not. I think that New Mexico State might be the worst team on Auburn's schedule. Um Kudos to the athletic department. You know, we gave them a shout-out last time. Kudos to them for finding the worst teams in America that we could possibly play in our three Duffer games because they've done an impeccable, I mean impeccable job of just finding 
the scum of the earth. I, great people. Hey, Jerry Kill, you remember him at Minnesota when he had all of the health problems? I think he almost died on the sideline, and then everybody was making the inappropriate jokes about Kill died. No? I have no idea what you're talking about right now, but I believe you. <laughs> Noble show in his age. Anyway, Jerry Kill is the coach of the uh, the New Mexico State uh, Aggies right now. Okay. And uh, I think he's New Mexico State. He might be UMass. Ooh. Which one is he? I have no idea. He was, on the, broad- he was right on the broadcast last night. I want the uh, – listeners will remember – Jerry Kill, he had a lot of health problems at Minnesota, and then they did, like, special games where they wore, like, the T-shirts, and they were like, be Kill strong, and then they'd get just run out of the stadium. (laughs) And every time I see him, I think about that. I don't know why, but, hey, Jerry Kill. Anyway, let's get back to Auburn Auburn football. There there is nothing I would like more than for all of the listeners to just look this guy up and it just not be true. No, I think he's been on a big weight loss journey, too, because he was I mean, he had like serious health problems when he was at Minnesota and was like a bigger coach. And now he's like pretty skinny. What? You talk about well, yeah. Well, so so shout out. Weather's going to Weather's going to, you know, try and fact check himself right now. But. Um, just for the people who were not able to watch UMass play, they they did win forty-one to thirty. New Mexico State ended up scoring on the last play of the game, so the score is a little more lopsided than it real than the 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 really game entailed. It was like thirteen to ten going into the fourth quarter, and then the defenses just gave out. Um, Pumachan uh, for UMass, the the quarterback had one hundred ninety-two passing yards and ninety-six rushing yards. Uh, Karon Lynch Adams had seventy-nine yards and two touchdowns. They definitely had more success on the ground than uh, through the air, which I think is good for Auburn that they get to catch. Even though I don't think UMass is necessarily going to be a good running team, I do think that they will have a running focus, which allows the Auburn run defense to kind of, you know, get a little bit of a taste of being able to try and stop the run against a run-heavy team before they play Cal, which is really a really a run-heavy team, but – Overall, uh, I think UMass's defense is absolutely nothing to write home about. They they really didn't impress me that much. Schematically, I thought that they they kind of got played a couple times. New Mexico State had an 80-yard run um, on a play that UMass just – I mean, the defensive coordinator drew up a blitz and was just woefully wrong and just but got – But you could see it. You could see it pre-snap. We were watching the highlight, and basically you had – New Mexico State line up their entire defense like the set was heavy to the, we'll say to the right, and the set was heavy to the left. So not only did they like just guess, they, I mean, you could see pre snap that they were weighted in different directions. You knew, you knew that from watching UMass's defense, you knew that if New Mexico State ran it to the left, if there was the, no one there. Yeah, if the receiver held onto his block, it was going to be a touchdown. And sure enough, when the ball snapped, the linebackers come and both the safeties come down. The run is to the left, and they score an 80-yard touchdown. So I really am not really worried about UMass's defense stopping Auburn. I think that if they get stops against the starters, we should – not. I don't want to say concerned because you should never be concerned after the first game, really concerned. But th- these guys are not very good. I mean, for, just from a pure talent perspective, they these the the teams are so woefully different that Auburn should 
It, it should be a blowout. The spread, it does not matter what it is. Take the over. Auburn is going to hit the over. I expect Hugh Freeze to, similar to Harson, uh in 2021 when he started against Akron, where he was just wanting to win by as much as possible. It would not surprise me if Freeze just ran the score up on him. Um, but overall, I, I didn't really see anything that made me worried at all against UMass and New Mexico State, which obviously the the staff, they'll break it down in the film room. They'll they'll have it already. But overall, I, I was not not too, too worried about this one. No, I mean, and I that comes to an interesting, you know, point about these pay games. I think that if you pay a school millions of dollars, you should not feel bad about running the score up because really what happens when you're running the score up is you're getting quality reps yeah. for your team, whether it's your starters, your backups, whoever it is. Running up the score just means you're running your offense. Yeah. Like you actually would. And if you're if we're paying two million dollars in travel expenses, we're doing that to get the experience in a live game. Yeah. It's not like, you know, Mississippi State comes to town and you're gonna play them again every other year and like you're on a similar thing and there's a respect there. Like, no, there's there's no respect. We had to pay you millions of dollars for it to make it you're you're only an athletic department because you come to get beat. Um, yeah, and I and I don't think, and I, I completely agree with what you're saying, but I, and I don't necessarily think that that means like you know fourth quarter you're still throwing bombs with your starting quarterback to your starting receiver with your starting line in there, or you know still having Jarquez be in the game late. But I do think that it does translate to you still run your offense, and I talked about it a little bit uh, on the pod last week, just kind of having guys. You know, you might pull the starters a little bit earlier and let the backups play your offense and play real football and not exactly just being like, oh, you know, we're putting in Jeremiah Cobb and and Sean Jackson, so now we're just going to give it to them every play and not do anything. You know, I I do think it's like give those guys legitimate game reps because then if, you know, God forbid, if Jarquez or Damari or Batty go down, it's like and you have Jeremiah or – you know, Sean Jackson step into that role, they're not running these plays for the first time in a game atmosphere. Like they, they've run it in practice, they've run it in games, they know what's coming, they know what to expect, and they can execute. So I, I definitely agree with you. I hope that we see that from this this Auburn squad that we can see a lot of guys, we can see a lot of guys get reps, especially on the defense. I think the defense is really what I really want to see is see a lot of depth, especially with the corners. You got a lot of young corners having you know, J.D., Kay and Lee, Colton, Colton Hood, uh, Austin Osbury, if you can get those guys real reps and get those guys ready this year, even if we don't have any injuries in the backfield, they're even more ready for next year for the secondary to not take a drop off. Yeah, I mean, I think that the defense, I don't, I don't know. I don't know how many quality reps the defense is going to get in this game. I mean, what we saw on their offense – I do think that the strength of their team is going to be the run game, which is not, you know, boating the best for us, since that is definitely where we struggle, um, according to the scrimmages. Because I don't know if you saw that stat about last the last scrimmage, they ran for like 450 yards on not very many plays. Yeah. Um, so that's – it'll be very interesting to see how that goes. But, no, I mean – I feel like – do you feel like everything's kind of gone silent around the Auburn program too the past couple of weeks? Like, once fall camp, quote-unquote, ended, the amount of information coming out, 
you know, you had Hugh Freeze coming out every day talking about like position groups that he thought improved. I did, I did see that he thought the receivers were improving, but I definitely, it feels like things have just kind of slowed up a little bit. They're kind of getting ready for this UMass game, probably getting ready for that Cal game too. I mean, after seeing what we saw from the UMass thing, I, they're not spending a full week solely on UMass. No, I would not be surprised if there was a lot of Cal um, put in, which didn't, did Cal play? No, they played, they didn't play in week zero. They'll have their first game next week. So that'll be another interesting thing to see. I think, you know, it's hard to say much about the UMass game. It's just we're ought to just throttle them. Yeah. And I think that really, when you look at kind of the information from the coaching staff, is I think that there there's definitely been a shift in you're not necessarily looking at who's improving now. You're looking at who's the best. Yeah. And I don't think that that's necessarily information that they want to divulge at the moment until the depth chart is released. Because at the end of the day, it doesn't matter if, you know, if Jay Fair is having a great week of practice, but you know that he's not going to start, and this is just a random example, but if you know he's not going to start, you're not going to mention that. Yeah. Because then people are like, well, we've been hearing about Jay Fair all offseason, yeah. and where is he? Where is he? So I, I think that that's really where they're at now is they're finalizing – who's going to start, who's going to play, who's going to play in these sets. And then you don't want to talk about it too much because you're like, you want to have that little bit of element of surprise when, you know, no one knows who the top three receivers are going to be right now. If you have a set with Fairweather, Hooks, and Brown, and Mardner, like the defense isn't going to know what's coming. It's, it's, I think it's a lot of, you know, personnel kind of stuff that they're working through now. But I, I think that right now you just kind of have to wait for the depth chart to release – and really kind of look for the surprises there, you know? Yeah. I, I I agree. And I think, you know, we say that Auburn should win this easily. The first possession, I think, is going to be one of the trick first possession or two, especially on defense. Because this is, I mean, even though they played a week zero game, those first two possessions are always those scripted plays. They're going to have something special. It's probably going to have some kind of trickeration if I had to take a guess. Mm-hmm. Because... I can't imagine that their coaches think they're just going to win this one yeah. straight up, just based off of talent, just based off of athleticism and size. So I would not be surprised if there's some kind of trickeration that they have uh, drawn up for that. Yeah. Oh, and I mean, you, you we saw a lot. UMass likes to run it probably 70% of the time. And when they're not, they want to throw it short or they just want to throw it deep. And they're going to throw a lot of bombs. They're going to test the safeties. They're going to test the corners. I mean, a lot of picks. Yeah, I I mean, I, I expect the defense to force some turnovers. I, the quarterback is not necessarily the most polished passer you're ever going to see, and they throw bombs. I mean, <laughs> they were throwing some bombs. And they had some interesting route concepts because there were multiple bombs where there were two receivers running into each other, and it was just kind of like a all-out jump between two DBs and two receivers to see who would come down with it. There was one. I can't remember if UMass or New Mexico State scored on it. But the receivers were pretty much next to each other that both ran goes. It was literally just like a Hail Mary concept. One of the receivers fell down in the end zone. <laughs> Neither DB was really looking at the ball. And then one guy got a jump ball that wasn't really contested. And it was just a moment where you were like, that was just bad. Like, that's just not what you're – like, if that's something you're getting scored on at Auburn, you're just going to get chewed out by your coaches. So I think that <laughs> – And the fans. Yeah, th- there were just a lot of moments from this game where you were like, wow, like, that was bad. Yep. And if Auburn did that, it's it's bad. It's bad. Yeah, it's, 
you still may win this game, but the season's going to be Rough. not a fun one for you to watch. Exactly. So, uh, And you feel like you would have heard coming out of the scrimmages, like, as bad as that was, you would have been able to tell. Yeah. And people would have been like, guys, it this is not going It doesn't well. take a rocket scientist. You don't have to be, you know, a football genius to realize that some of these situations are just not working, you know. So I, I think I, I think that ultimately it goes down to you're just so excited for week one because it's the return of Auburn football and there's so much that goes into that. And, you know, you're, you're – you're back in the game day atmosphere. You're watching Auburn again, but you're really not going to see. You're not going to get a taste of what Auburn football is till week two. I don't think when yeah. you're really playing a decent Cal team that you should still win, but they have good players. They have guys that will be playing in the NFL. Well, they have guys that might have gotten a scholarship. Like if they lived in Alabama, they might have gotten a scholarship offer to Auburn. Yeah, guys that are playing at UMass. I mean, other than their quarterback. Um, who went to Georgia Tech and Clemson, Pumacha. I mean, I don't think there's anybody on that roster that coming out of high school would have been offered by Auburn, Alabama, Georgia, Florida. Probably not, no. And so, I mean, it's just – it's an unfair comparison, honestly. Um, and, you know, after looking it up, Jerry Kill, he does coach for New Mexico State, and he he did have a lot of health issues. So there you go. Don't be a judge. I, hey, I, I'm not being a judge. I'm just saying, you know, Weather, Weather took a risk on himself on the podcast that he knew what he was talking about, and the fact checkers said that he was correct. He so. had multiple seizures on the field. Well, that's tragic. I'm I'm glad that he's back. He I'm glad back. that he is he's coaching football and he is, you know, doing well. But I think that the biggest thing, you know, back to the 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 game. <laughs> um, I think that it's interesting when you look at a lot of kind of top rosters, it's interesting that it's common to see guys who transferred from kind of lower-level things. You know, you look at Auburn, you know, you're going to have Jalen McLeod and Steven Sings having a big role in the defense, transfer from Appalachian State and Liberty. You're going to see guys, you know, uh, by Darius Knighton from a couple years ago who uh, I think he was at Southeast Missouri State. You're going to see guys like that in every SEC team that have – you know, they they weren't really highly touted out of high school. They go somewhere, they ball out, they go up. But at these schools like UMass and New Mexico State, you see a lot more of kind of the other direction where they were fairly highly touted. They go to a higher level school. They don't see the field and they transfer to somewhere they can play. So there are some guys on these teams that have talent. And there might just be a reason that they're that they weren't able to play at a higher level, and that's sometimes the the guys that end up being kind of the stars uh, at these schools. But overall, I, I really just think that it's difficult to break these teams down because just from a talent perspective, Auburn is so much better, and I think that that can't really be conveyed enough. But I, I think ultimately it comes down to Auburn executing and how much Auburn can, how vanilla can Auburn's offense be and still run the score up and be able to save as much as possible for that cow game when they're really opening up the offense. I mean, it looked like if you ran any kind of outside run, I mean, the the contain from the UMass defense is tough. I will say the, the one guy who seemed to make some plays was their nose guard, uh, 42. 42, yeah. yeah. Uh, we don't Wooden. know his name. Oh, yeah, name. Wooden, yeah. He made some nice plays. He, he did, made some yeah. highlight plays. He got some, you know, he got into the back field a couple times made some big time plays made some sacks tackles for loss the the linebacking core I mean like you said it, it's nothing to write home about 
DBs kind of the same way. Um, I just I would not expect this to look very different than the 8A playbook looked. I mean, genuinely, I just I don't think I think you're going to see more of those receiver option routes. I think at 8A, they had not been able to fully install that kind of stuff in. So I think you'll see more throwing than you probably need to just to start working on game environment. You know, a little bit of crowd noise. How do we respond to doing these option routes? But outside of that, I mean, I think you can just do any kind of outside run. And I mean, they were carving them up on it with equal talent. If you put the Damari and Jarquez out there, it's, it, it should be, yeah. Yeah, so moving into kind of the the expectations, why don't we start out, you know, this is a, a fun thing that I like to do before the first game of every season. Make your prediction now what Auburn's first touchdown will look like. What do you think, kind of do you think it'll be a pass? Do you think it'll be a bomb? Do you think it'll be kind of a trick play? What, what do you expect for the first touchdown of the 2023 season? All right, this is going to be an assumption that he's not suspended, which we haven't heard that he's suspended. Yeah, I'm going to say it's a Jarquez Hunter touchdown, outside run from about 30 yards out. I don't think it's going to be a massive, you know, huge run, 30 yards out, just one of those where it's, if your receiver holds on, it'll be fine. He makes a move on the safety, touchdown. Yeah. I, I agree with that. I My thought was very similar to Tank's first touchdown against Akron in 2021 when it was just kind of stars aligned. He broke a 40-plus yard run. Um, I, I think it'll be whoever is the starting running back for the game. I think that, you know, we are still assuming with Jarquez's return to practice, hasn't missed practice since, like, all signs point to that he will be playing. And I think that this week you will probably figure that out a little bit more if you start seeing, you know, practice tape of him playing this week in practice. You're like, all right, well, you know, he he is. But that one is kind of just still a question mark that I think we will find out, you know, ultimately maybe in pregame warm-ups. Because you might just not hear about it. I can't imagine that Hugh would come out and announce that until pregame warm-ups. I mean, just competitive advantage-wise, I think it's going to be one of those situations where you're just staying close to your phone on game day and you won't know until the running backs run out to warm up. Um, Or they announce even before they run out to run, you know, warm up that he's been suspended and he'll miss two, three games if he misses any. Yeah, I agree. I I think that that'll be something you find out during the stretch line. Kind of random bets to start placing. Do you think that Auburn will still have the – stretch formation that they ran the past two seasons where they make a shape that nobody knows what the shape was. Cause it was interesting because Harson did it, but Cadillac kept doing it when Harson, you know, was gone. And I still in two years of watching it, I never understood what shape they were making. Was it a big potato? Perhaps it was a big potato. Maybe it was a potato with like a ramp going into it. I have no idea. Maybe that was the shape of the Mexican resort that he was at when they tried to fire him. It was just building one, building two, building three. And he put his star players in the building where he was staying and put kind of the duffer players where he thought he was going to get fired. And maybe we could make an airplane for him flying back. Maybe. Who knows? No, but... but genuinely what I bet happened is they had whatever this random shape is. The strength and conditioning coach was the same. There's no reason to try and change. Yeah. I mean, the pregame warm-up, you have so much going on. You keep like, pregame warm-up. The things that are important, you do not need to change Where how you shape up for that. 
Yeah, I, I agree with that. And so, you know, moving into game one, we talked about this a little bit last week with guys that you think will be a surprise for the season. Who who are some guys, you know, it seems like the offensive line, we've learned a lot about them. We've learned a lot about kind of the, the starting structure. Same with running backs. Receivers are a little different, though. It seems like every uh, position group on the offense is pretty set in stone. What do you expect from this receiver group? And do you think that it will – exceed the expectations or do you think it'll kind of match do you think it they'll they'll fall short where do you think this receiver group will stack up against the sec in general and kind of receiver groups that auburn has had in years past i think it's going to be tough to exceed expectations solely because i don't think there's a good defined definition of what the expectation is Mm -hmm. people all say oh the receivers will be better than last year okay well i mean if they're not do you even have receivers on the team? I mean, genuinely, if it got worse than last year, what what is being produced on the field? So, yes, it's going to be better than last year. If the expectation is that they are improved from last year, then yes. Unless you have a receiver that is just going off, I think that people are still going to feel like the receivers are not quite performing. And I, I think it may not be until you get a guy like Perry Thompson – that people get excited about the receivers and have an expectation of like, they need to do this. I think the expectation this year, and this is a big expectation that they run their routes correctly. They are not having trouble with their effort and that they catch the ball. Mm -hmm. And I mean, those sound like obvious things, but it's like, those are all things that we've heard have been a struggle and you are not necessarily a great receiving room. If you run your routes hard, you catch the ball and you run the correct route. Yeah. That that should be the standard of this is where we start, now go make amazing plays on But Auburn hasn't that. had it. In, <clears throat> we know, hadn't had it in years. so long that I think that's my expectation. I don't want to say that's my expectation. That's where I'd love for them to be. Okay, my expectation is it's going to be a little bit sloppy. Um, I think you're going to have some – I think it's going to be the most Auburn receiving core ever. You're going to have guys that go take the top off of a defense – make the amazing play, and they're going to drop the slant route. And it's going to be just hair-pulling out frustration. That's what I think is going to happen, but I hope you get a level of consistency that's more on par with your, I'm even going to say LSU, I mean, Ole Miss when he was at Ole Miss. Um, I mean, Georgia, Alabama. Yet Recently, their receiving rooms have not been anything super special. I mean, Georgia had a great tight end room, but, I mean, their receiving core? The receivers weren't great, and Alabama hasn't been phenomenal since, I'd say since Smith left, I guess. So, the I mean, they've been good, don't get me wrong, but yeah, they have they, not been. Yeah, they've been good, like but they, were in 19. they have not been elite among college football where you're like, oh, my goodness, how do you stop this passing attack? Yeah. I think that they were just – they ran the right routes. I mean, Lad McConkey at – Georgia, I think that you have athletes on Auburn's team that can be comparable to Ladd McConkey. And so I think that that should be where the expectation is because that is where you want to go. Um, But we'll see how consistent the team can be. I agree. And I think that you're really going to find that consistency in a guy like Rivaldo Fairweather in, in the tight end room. I think that he will be a constant guy that they run routes like he's a receiver and he will be a constant guy who runs the right route and catches the ball. He might not be the top receiver on the team. I don't know how much they'll actually throw it to him, but I think that he'll be a guy that a quarterback can consistently use when they're in trouble because they know where he's going to be and they know what he's going to do. 
I think Shane Hooks is the biggest question mark. I think he has the potential to be the wide receiver one. I think that you have to worry about running the right routes. And, you know, I think the biggest thing is giving the same amount of effort on. I think Seth Williams had the biggest problem with this is you could tell if it was a pass or a run by how he started his route. And you could also tell if it was a pass that was designed for him or a pass that was designed for someone else by how he ran his route. And so I think that if Hooks can be a guy that is consistent in his route running, I think his hands, I don't think anyone's really caught up on his hands. I think he'll be able to catch. I don't know exactly what he'll be. And I also don't know what he'll be outside the red zone because it seems like he'll be a big red zone guy, a big contested catch guy. But if you can't get open that much, it really doesn't matter. Yeah. You know, so I, I I think Camden Brown is who I'm the most excited about in this room. I was really high on Camden Brown when he came in as a freshman. Loved him in the the little amounts of, of time that he saw last year. I think that if he can put it all together, he'll be a guy that's my sleeper pick to lead the team in, in yards. But overall, I agree with you. I think the receivers are the most intriguing offensive uh, aspect of the team to watch. And just to see how they develop through the season and how they develop depending on what quarterback's there as well. I think that'll be really interesting. Uh, really interesting to note. Yeah, I, I'm i with you about the quarterback. I think if Peyton Thorne is going to be the guy, the receivers are going to have to step up to a much higher level than if Robbie is the guy. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that what the receivers are doing is also going to determine who you can put at quarterback. Because if the receivers have trouble catching the ball – if you have a quarterback that can't throw the ball to him most of the time and they can't catch the ball, that's a really bad recipe. Yeah. And so then I think you give more lean towards Peyton Thorne of like, hey, at least he's hitting the receivers and maybe they can catch it more times. You do not want to give it to the quarterback that it's going to be a bad throw and you have a bad receiver mm-hmm. catching. So I think that that'll be an interesting dynamic to see how the two position groups kind of interact with each other. Yeah. And so, you know, offensively, we just finished that. Defensively, You know, we've talked, uh, I feel like, at nauseum about the defense and how the run defense is the biggest concern. Will, can your, can any of your fears and, you know, concerns about the run defense be eased a little bit in week one? Or do you think you really have to wait until week two before you really start putting some of those concerns to bed? Or do you think you have to wait until conference play? This is one of those games that is almost unfair to the players where, if they do well, you're not like, wow, you guys are awesome. Mm-hmm. But if they do bad, you're like, you guys suck. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So, like, if the run defense is getting gashed by UMass. You're terrified. You're like, oh, no, this is going to be bad. This is going to be mm-hmm. very bad. And if they stop UMass, you're like, well, I mean, these guys are not the most dynamic. Now, I will say their quarterback did run for 96 yards. Yeah. And let's see, their leading rusher – Ran for 80. Around 80. Yeah. Okay. So they ran for 200 yards. Not a terrible rushing attack. Not anything that you're deathly afraid of. Um, so, I I mean, I think quarterback run, non-designed quarterback runs are going to be the most difficult part to stop of this yeah. offense. Because, I mean, you're starting running back, getting 80 yards is, I mean, that's not great. Yeah. Um your leading rusher being your quarterback, that's, you know, I don't know. We'll see. New Mexico State attempted to spy a lot, 
And the linebacker that they had spying was grossly outmatched by the quarterback. Yeah. And to the point that it almost didn't make sense to spy him because he never made the play. Mm-hmm. I mean, every single one of his big runs, he just ran right past the spy. So I I think Auburn can probably try and spy. I think that if you have a quicker linebacker, I think you have a Cam Riley back there. Um, I'm not sure how fast these transfer linebackers are necessarily. Um to be the spy, but I think linebacker, you're going to see more from the linebacker than from the interior defensive line as far as the run stopping, just because of the nature of UMass's rushing attack. And so, no, I I don't think that my fears will be eased at all if we keep UMass from running the ball. Yeah, well, I also feel like it's also kind of a a concern. Maybe not a concern, but it's a responsibility on the defensive line. If they're winning their matchups, you don't necessarily need a spy. Because if you're winning your matchups – the defensive ends are going to be able to keep their outside contained, forcing, you know, Pumachan inside, and then the linebacker should be able to converge on that. So I do agree with you there, and I think that that's really where if UMass gets some big plays, it'll be in pass plays where the coverage is there, he escapes, you know, Justin Rogers or Marcus Harris, which, I mean, you're not going to expect an interior defensive lineman to run this guy down. Like, no. he is – he's fast. Yeah. Like, I mean, he, he, can, he can move, and really – I mean, if he's outrunning your linebackers, I mean, obviously you want your linebackers to make plays, make tackles. He is probably one of the faster quarterbacks we're going to face. But I do think that if he's escaping the pocket and getting some long scrambles, Jaden Daniels is going to do the exact same thing. Exactly. So while obviously he's not as dangerous in the pocket, you can see like the defense needs to be able to stop a quarterback from scrambling and escaping. So I agree with you that there's not necessarily anything that can be – you can't necessarily be impressed by how Auburn plays in week one, but you can feel somewhat okay. You know, well, you, you can be impressed just by different things than you would yes. if you were playing in like a Chick fil A kickoff. Yes. You I can agree. be impressed by a lack of penalties. You can be impressed by organizationally looking like you're in the right set and taking care of defense. business. Yeah. And not turning the ball over mm. as far as sloppy things like. Fumbles, I fumbles are not necessarily a talent thing. Like yeah. you, are, the strength that you have is pretty much the same from all of these teams. If you're fumbling the ball, I mean that's going to be a problem throughout the entire year. Whether you're playing a good team, bad team, mm-hmm. and then interceptions too. If you're throwing interceptions against this defense, throwing your one interception that you always throw a game, that that would be a little bit concerning. But those are things that I would be impressed by coming out of here. I'm not going to be impressed by the running game, the passing game, you know, but those kind of things would be. I agree. And so, you know, you mentioned the interceptions. Do you think that there is anything – do you think that there will be a lot of change potentially in the quarterback room? Do you think that Robbie can make up that gap? Do you think that Thorne can kind of – strengthen his lead in that quarterback competition in this game or do you think that that'll really determine that will really be determined in that that cal game week two i think you really see where hugh is on the quarterback competition based off of the playing time this week if it's pretty split that tells me he chose peyton but it's still like he may flip it Mm -hmm. if it's mostly peyton and you don't see a lot of robbie that's telling me I want to ride with Peyton. I want Peyton to be good. I do not want to have to make this change. I'm only making this change if things go bad this season. Yeah. 
So I think the amount of playing time is more what I'll read into as opposed to, because I think it's hard to sit here and say what Coach Freeze is thinking as far as changing quarterbacks and stuff, because as far as talent being able to do things, Robbie would be able to run on this defense. Like, he's plenty capable of doing so and looking really good doing it. So I think it's more of a what is the plan moving forward? How committed are you to Peyton as your starting quarterback? Yeah, I I completely agree with you there. I think that's arguably the most interesting aspect from – because I think that's, at the end of the day, the most interesting storyline going into this game is where Auburn resides in their quarterback competition and how that will play out for the rest of the season. But – you know, you look at you look at it. Auburn is a thirty-six and a half point favorite for a two thirty ESPN kickoff. Does Auburn cover that spread? Yes, easily, easily. All right, I I I agree with you. I think that Auburn will have no difficulty covering the spread. And I think I'm trying to remember the last time Auburn lost the first game of the season. What that would have been in twenty sixteen. When we lost to Clemson in Jordan Hare, I think. Yes. Because the 2017 Clemson game was not the first That was game week two. Year. Yeah. And then 18, 19 were the Pac 12 champions that they beat. So, yeah. So, going back, Auburn has not lost a week one game since 2016. Don't think that they'll be starting this year. No. Uh, I think we both are, I think pretty much every Auburn fan is in the same, same boat that the Hugh Freeze era will start 1 and 0. Um, and I think you know we're we're back. You know it is it is Auburn football season again. We have had college football for a day. We start seeing real teams in week one. We see real football. We see good teams playing good teams, and you know we are uh, we are six days away from Auburn football being back. And so I think that that's the most exciting aspect of this podcast. Yeah. And I mean Thursday night game will be a heck of a game watching yeah, Utah Florida and Utah. Florida. Yeah. yeah. It'll be a very fun game. And then while two thirty is miserable for the temperature, I mean it's very nice for being able to watch the actually intriguing games at night because that's always a tough thing when you've got like that Sanford game week three. Like you want to watch your team, but at the same time you're like, I just wish this game was at eleven so I could watch my team and then I could actually watch some good football today too. But Sometimes you got to do what you got to do. I agree. But so, you know, moving into this week one, you know, you have Florida, Utah on Thursday. You've got LSU and Florida State on that Sunday night. You have, you know, your your guy, Shane Beamer, playing against UNC in the uh, the Mayo Classic. What, uh, what games in the SEC are you excited to watch in week one? And what do you kind of expect to see from from the conference in this this week one in 2023 i think that the florida utah game is going to be super intriguing that's probably the one that i'm most looking forward to um the duke's mayo classic i mean you know i like both north carolina and south carolina i'm excited to see if spencer rattler can be the spencer rattler that we thought he was going to be when he was coming out of high school Mm -hmm. which it sounds like i mean he's improved to that point yeah now, I think the question for you is in a game like LSU Florida State, do you go for the SEC or do you go for against the SEC because we're going to play them? So in one of in a typical game like that, I would go against the SEC. I, I'm not big on the the whole conference pride thing. Like I really don't cheer for the SEC team solely because they're in the SEC. If anything, that makes me go for them, go against them. Because Alabama, Georgia, 
Florida and Tennessee. Nine times out of ten, I'm not going for them. Really? I cannot stand those schools. I will not go for them. Ole Miss is slowly getting to that point as well. I don't like Ole Miss. I don't like how they run their program. I don't like Lane Kiffin. I don't I don't like Ole Miss. I don't I like love Lane. Team. I don't like Ole Miss, but I like Lane. Uh I will go for I I like I, I somewhat like AM. I can't stand Jimbo. So I never go for AM at about this say, point. Same thing. But when they had a what's when they had someone, I would go for AM. When they had Johnny Manziel, I'd go for AM. Um Vanderbilt. Couldn't really care less. I mean, honestly, I, I don't think I've ever really watched Vanderbilt football really caring uh, unless they were playing Auburn. I do love their suspension uh, scoreboard. Have you seen that? Uh, where I the have. cranes are holding up the scoreboard? Yeah, and it was a, a windy day on Saturday, and it looked like the scoreboard was about <laughs> to blow away. That would have been great. Uh, but, yeah, but to answer your question, I will be going for LSU uh, this weekend because Florida State is one of the only non-SEC teams that I can't stand. I will never go for Florida State in a football game. Um, Even if they played Alabama? See, I, I I consider – when when I watch like Florida or Tennessee versus Alabama, that's the one out of ten times where I'll go for Florida or Tennessee. Mm-hmm. Other than that, I will never go for Florida or Tennessee. When Alabama is playing Georgia or Florida State or when any of those three teams are playing each other, I don't go for anyone. I truly watch the game despising both teams. And when and you know we've had the the pleasure of watching Alabama and Georgia play multiple national championships against each other, and I'll say like one thing or, or the other, and you know this is kind of me talking out of both sides of my mouth, but I will say I hate Alabama so much, and I remember the uh, the most recent national championship. I think when they, they ended up calling it back, but it's like Bryce Bryce Young fumbled, Georgia picked it up and ran it in for a score. And a little part of me was a little happy because you saw Alabama sad. But then you, when they – after the game, when they would just show the fans, and I was always happy when all the Alabama fans were sad, and then they'd show the Georgia fans rejoicing, and it just made me angry. So, yeah, I mean, I I truly watch the game hoping that all the fan bases leave sad somehow, but I know that that's not possible. But to answer your question, I will be pulling for – for the Tigers against Florida State. However, I think they'll lose. I do think Florida State will win this game. I'm with you there. Um, Which, yeah. they have the points, too. There you go. That's our lock of the day. If you're in a state where sports betting is legal. Lock of the day, Florida State. Yeah. Doesn't need the points. Yeah, I, I think I think Florida State will, uh, will get that win. And maybe we'll do that. You know, maybe we'll have a, a segment on each podcast where we kind of go through the SEC landscape, talk about the games a little bit. We'll uh, we'll see. But overall, you know, that kind of that kind of wraps up this week's podcast. We are slowly but surely getting there. We are ready for Auburn football, um, and you know, we're, we're we're just ready for next Sunday when we can break down an Auburn win and talk about some some real stats. But as always, thank you guys so much for listening. And War Eagle, War Eagle.